Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Global AI Podcast. And I've just been reminded of the fact that it's our one-year anniversary. I actually can't, for the life of me, believe that we're already at episode 12. Uh, it really has been kicking along really, really well. So welcome back if you've been here before. If you haven't, my name is Akancha, one of the hosts here at the podcast. I'm an AI MVP here in Melbourne, and I'll introduce you to our co-host here, Arafat. Hello, everyone. I'm Arafat. I'm also an AI MVP based in Sydney. And we would like to welcome Ross. Ross, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Hi, everyone. I'm Ross. Uh, I'm a digital accessibility individual, and I run uh, a, a company called Canaxis, which is uh, web and a digital accessibility focused. Perfect. And our episode today is all about accessibility, which is a really big part of what Ross is about and what you do. And I've seen a lot of stuff that you talk about on LinkedIn around it. I guess, I mean, I definitely am a really big fan. I like really appreciate the fact that it's becoming so much bigger, especially around AI. And do you want to maybe go through exactly why it's so important to bring that in and kind of get everyone else on board as well? I guess nowadays it's a business recognizing that um, uh, to compete in a very busy marketplace there needs to be a differentiator so many banks and retail businesses are already putting a huge amount of effort into making up a really good user experience but factoring in people with disabilities means that you can reach ever larger number of users. So uh, for example, in the UK is the Purple Pound Initiative, which highlights the uh, the, the spending power of the, the disabled community where one in five have a, you know, have a disability, uh, 73% of a potential disabled, uh, uh, the customers experience the barriers on more than a, a quarter of web, of websites and some two billion pounds a month is lost by business by business ignoring the needs of a disabled people so traditionally the message has been about uh helping disabled users access critical services and infrastructure online that's still there but now it's like you know, the business communities recognizing that they need uh, to uh, to differentiate themselves and um what uh, what a better way than making up their a digital a service or a digital product accessible for ever more la larger number of users so traditionally it's been purely altruistic of helping the disabled people. Now, though, that message has moved from helping them to ultimately furthering a business imperative. So, making more money by providing a better user experience of, you know, for everyone, regardless of impairments. And that's the main motivator now, I believe. Cool. Um, yeah, we, as you talked about, multiple businesses, verticals are are investing too much into the user experience just to just to bring in better features for 
and and handy features for everyone and and we have seen that there has been significant development ever since the industry has started and started has uh, and and they have started leveraging the power of ai in in different departments now as we are the ai podcast so we would like to start with with this question with you that um can ai be used as the complementary aid for improving the user experience on on all of these websites apps or the solutions those that that businesses are um coming up with the one which you have spoken about specifically i believe it uh, uh, can but it's uh, it's important recognizing that ai is still in its infancy so rather than being this um technology which can be rapidly applied and it would make a, a website much more usable it needs to be used in much more uh, much more targeted ways so uh, for uh, for example microsoft azure has uh, the immersive reader at all which is a tool which helps users with lower levels of of literacy it can read a uh, text aloud translate and uh, display the pictures uh for words so if a user is having uh, having a difficulty communicating there's this uh, a complementary mechanism there which can help a user over uh, come their uh, difficulties but i guess it's it's recognizing that at the moment it's not matured enough that it can just be rapidly unleashed it needs to basically operate in a walled a garden and within a certain parameters so ai at the moment is very very good for a pattern matching that's where it could be used to its fullest and as the uh, technology matures and gets better and better then there might be uh, additional opportunities of making a user experience a better uh, but at this stage it's it's a healthy um uh healthy recognition i guess that whilst it's really really good in a certain uh, situations it's not a a panacea for every um challenge a user face it's it need it needs to be used in in targeted ways basically playing up to it to its uh, to its to its strength yeah may i agree with you and considering immersive reader as you as you have given an example of i think it is too cool for for so many things but um, i would love to know um first of all what 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 do you think that it is it is lacking behind in and uh, if it is not then then what others can do as well so if if i just go with you on on this question that what do you think that azure immersive reader is is not good at if i would ask interesting question what's it what's it not a good at i guess it's uh, understanding a context so if it's fed a passage of uh, of a text it can highlight nouns verbs and adjectives and uh, and also um uh replace words with with 
uh, pictures for that read aloud uh, capability, but there's no real understanding of our uh, context. Uh, so it just seems to be at the moment uh, treating you know, passages of uh, text as individual items of words as opposed to a narrative. So it's, it's I guess, missing out on uh, on uh, being able to infer a context. So it's very, very good at um, uh, in individual words, so verbs and nouns, but not uh, so much of uh, describing what the text means. And that's that's where it's lacking at the moment. As for what uh, what a benefit that might add to a user, I'm not sure. Would a user need to understand uh, the background, a passage of a text, or is it much more uh, convenient that it, it just highlights individual words and uh, replaces uh, pictures? It's that unknown where there's an opportunity there, but I'm not sure what uh, what opportunity that could really solve. I think that's a fair point. I think it comes back down to that part of trying to predict that feature, especially when it's user stuff, right? When it's every single person will have a different input on what they want to see and how they want to improve it. I guess on the other end of it is how, how can we make things easier um, for the develop, like from a developer point of view of when we're actually doing things online and things like that for screen readers to make things accessible in that end of things when we're using the internet and we're using all the different kind of capabilities and stuff to share whatever we might be. This is uh, this is a really interesting question because uh, one of the challenges nowadays with uh, developers is that they need to uh, understand uh, so so much now. So security, performance, accessibility, UX, UI. Is it uh, acceptable that a developer uh, doesn't know about accessibility and uh, uh, reaches out? Uh, for an individual who does, or should they shoulder a lot more of that of that responsibility? As I guess, uh, it's a jack of all trades or a master a master of none. If your main uh, development role is writing in a .NET, then is there that expectation that you're also a whiz with HTML, a CSS, and JavaScript, all of those uh, technologies alone are very, very in-depth. So if there were were to be an opportunity of leveraging AI in uh, some way that it could um, help a user whilst you know, your development. So much like uh, VS codes in, in TeleSense, so that, that uh, per, a prediction of what a developer might be wanting. So linting the code with um, uh, checkers saying, you've missed this, you might need to need to add that. There's an opportunity there of um, having it recommend things to add, but ultimately there needs to be a user who is uh, expert in that uh, discipline and say, You've used an ARIA label here, but you don't need to. Or you've used 
a button there, but you need to use a link. Because so much like with Im immersive reader, it's that a context again which matters. So even though it may uh, recommend adding extra attributes or extra elements, it needs that understanding that whilst you uh, you uh, you may be able to uh, take all the recommendations uh, from the AI engine, you might still be making something really really poor. So it's that under it's that uh, recognition, I guess, that uh, it has a niche and it's very very uh, good in that niche. But outside of that, it begins it. it uh, it begins to get le less effective. That's correct. Um, it, it, and now coming to the developers part again, um, since we are revolving around them. So if, as Akansha mentioned that, and, and she asked about the question about how can they make um, such a content? Is there any silver bullet? And, and we got to know that no, there is no silver bullet. But are there any tools, toolkit available which can which can drive those development in a way that it can become easier, if not perfect, for developers to embed or to transform though that content which is not accessible um, in a way that it becomes a little accessible or not little, in fact, enough accessible so that uh, it can be accessed by I would say more than 70% of those who are not able to access by just by embedding an immersive reader. Um, it it helped it helps developers or readers as well with people with 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 the with the uh, with all kind of abilities. So now, is there any other toolkit um, which can which can help us or toolkits which can help us to to drive these uh, accessibilities? Very much so. Yeah, yeah. There's um, uh, there's uh, several well-known uh, uh, browser extensions. One of the most popular is Wave, W-A-V-E, which is this uh, this uh, browser extension which can uh, highlight on a page per page basis uh, missing headings, images which are missing alt attributes uh and also a color a contrast issues so uh it's very 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 good at uh, finding things which are syntactic errors uh, are things which are consistent to find an image is missing this attribute i find it and indicate to uh, to the developer you need to add this attribute there so that works very well. But uh, as you go down the, the development path, there's also a build uh, tools which you can add in to the build uh, pipeline. So one of the most popular is Axe, Axe Core, so A-X-E, uh, C-O-R-E. That's this accessibility uh, testing engine made by a large accessibility vendor where you can write your uh, your uh, your test uh, cases and it will announce errors in real time so uh, basically uh, a test driven accessibility 
you know, development. So rather than waiting seven applications are being built and then uh, testing it with this uh, with this uh, build tool it's much much easier to find those low hanging fruits earlier on so things like uh, missing headings a color a contrast or missing attributes these are the very easy uh, accessibility issues which which can be rapidly identified and rapidly caught but uh, Traditionally, in the web accessibility area, websites are pretty um, uh, easy to make accessible if you follow the appropriate guidelines. When you're making a web application, there there's a lot more complex interact interactivity involved. So even though these linters and checkers would find easy problems, as you're working at building a web application, it then means that uh, remaining issues rely on an expert reviewer to sort of manually uh, go through a page. So yes, there is uh, a build tools which work in the, in the development to pipeline, but they only get us so far. So traditionally a 30 to 40% of all the accessibility issues found are with automated tools. Then you move in to the manual review where an expert reviewer just looks at the HTML code and the interaction modes in depth. That's pretty cool. And I think it's, I mean, from a non-developer person <laughs> to notice, it's interesting that it, the percentage is so low in terms of what it does pick up very quickly. Um, definitely a lot more where to go. But I guess, I mean, there is so much more investment going into this kind of stuff at the moment. But I think pivoting away from that point of view a little bit and kind of moving towards, hopefully, <laughs> at least in Australia, we can come back into in-person events soon enough. But kind of talking about events and meetups, and they kind of, you can move those into kind of meetings and actual interpersonal conversations and things happening in an office as well. But how can we make those kind of things a lot more accessible? Like what can we do to make those really, really comfortable? And this can be anything from like the small little parts all the way to the really big things that like, whether that be speech to text or just making sure there's seating available. Like, you know, there's so many different parts of it, but like, yeah, maybe you want to take it, whichever end of it you want to take. I guess it's, it's just, uh, uh recognizing it it's not a one size it's a fits all approach so um whilst there may be accommodations which might help a visually impaired user it may not help a deaf user so it's recognizing that um uh, you can always add those accommodations you could have uh, captions on your video but then uh, acknowledge that also uh, captions may not always be useful if there's a lot of, of, of background noise you could have uh, in in a person a signers assigning you can uh, have lots and lots of uh, assistance there but one of the best things I found is just uh, acknowledging that you know, there will be gaps that there will be individuals who uh no matter your best intentions 
they will have a difficulty either using their online tools or attending in a person. And it's and I guess it's 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 being honest enough to recognise that we've done so so much and we want to uh, uh, open it up to everyone. But there will be challenges there with some users. If that's you, reach out. So having that um, um, clear communication where you acknowledge you've put a lot of of hard work in in into making it accessible either in in a person or online but also acknowledging that if you are having difficulties please reach out and i found it's that um humbleness of attitudes so rather than saying we've used ai and it works a hundred percent of the time because there's bound to be an individual or in or individuals who say well that's that is uh, wonderful for everyone else, but I have a really um, uh, challenging uh, difficulty. So it's it's just being humble enough and saying we've done a lot to make it in inclusive, but we know we can uh, do more. And I think it it's that uh, attitude of. Um, uh, acknowledging that i think that's fair and i think it lends itself a bit into the part of building a community that's safe and feels like someone can approach you to say hey i'm not comfortable here and that goes a long way whether or not it is already accessible but at least making a space for it to be able to say that hey this isn't and this is how we can make it better i think it goes such a long way and there's definitely so much work to be done around us but I'm glad at least we're bringing highlights into it to make things a little bit better. <laughs> exactly right, yes. Um, I think the other like, kind of moving from this kind of, this is more of the community part of it, but like looking towards enterprise level, I guess, across the giants, right? I mean, Microsoft, IBM, like all these places are doing, they're working, like they are starting to do so much more for accessibility and using AI for accessibility at the moment. I can be seeing like it's a real push coming in through those things. Um, But I mean, how much do you really think that's going to be the need? Like, is it really going to be a, hey, we need individuals to push this forward, or is it going to be corporations pushing this forward? How do, you, where do you see this going? I guess in the next couple of years, or is it going to be a mix of everything? Interesting, because uh, with accessibility, it seems like it's been very much a a, a grassroots led uh, initiative where. Uh, Traditionally, it's been uh, from the accessibility advocates who've been uh, pushing it a lot, and then a uh, government uh, gets involved, and they then mandate that accessibility uh, guidelines have to be met. And then, I guess, uh, on the one side, those larger organisations working uh, working for government recognise that. Uh, governments mandated that all of their websites must be accessible so therefore we must also ensure our uh, capabilities up there and i guess it's it's um it's been from the community hi highlighting inaccessibility which has then driven a uh, government and larger organizations 
uh, to uh, focus on it. Where there's a gap still, it is those uh, medium-sized uh, enter enter as prizes where it's it's always viewed as a costly endeavor that making a website that takes time and effort but if they're investing in making a user experience better then obviously accessible accessibility falls in to that space so it's come from multiple angles traditionally uh developers have been pushing it viewing it i guess as a badge of honor and and recognition that they've been able to make a website accessible that's that's then filtered up with um uh disability laws uh where governments mandated accessibility for their for their own websites and then contracts for larger organizations working for governments must also be accessible so in many ways a government's been the driver for the larger organizations to really sort of get their act together and make a better user experiences but also conversely with banks and uh, larger insurers they recognize that opening up their, their digital uh, services for more users is just a much much better business decision if they if they can uh, work with more users then obviously it's much more business uh, for them Oh, like, and I think it's, an, I mean, it kind of lines up with what you were talking about, about businesses at the start, right? Where um, they're finally seeing the fact that they're missing out on such a big market. And they're like, oh, we got to get into this. Not because it's the right thing, because, hey, there's money here and the whole carrot stick thing. But at the end, of, I mean, yes, as much as we want everyone to do this out of their own good hearts. And they're like, yes, okay, let's make this a better world. At least we're doing it, whether it's being forced into it <laughs> through governments and like business profits or whichever it is. I'm glad at least like there is still things happening in that case. And I guess... Yeah, it's all working out again, a little bit, <laughs> bit by bit. Exactly, and I guess it's um, it's 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 hard not to be cynical when a larger organisation is um, is active in the accessibility area. But look at what they've done, and not not necessarily why they're why they're why they're why they're doing it. If they've been able you know, to make all of their digital products accessible then really that's what we want even though there may be this very hard a business attitude behind it it's ultimately uh, a good outcome you know, for everyone yeah i think that that's correct but if you are talking about the enterprise and and the community side and you have also spoken about the small business enterprises where or small businesses who are who are doing mostly work around the websites or or web portals and because of the investments within those small houses or startups they do not tend to go towards um, or they don't touch all the points of accessibility so there's a part there's there is a there is a challenge in 
over there right now but do you think that there will be a time or when when we where we will see majority of the applications or solutions transformed with accessibility features but as an as, an, as someone who has been looking at this part of industry for so long i'd love to say yes but um knowing the uh web uh, digital landscape there's um uh mum and dad are corner shops who who I build a website with say Wix. Uh, is it acceptable that they need to understand accessibility? Some might say yes, some might say no. So ultimately, uh, if they don't have an, an accessible website, they're in breach of the of the Disability Discrimination Act. Should they know about that? Uh, possibly yes, because if you're running uh, uh, running a business, you need to be aware of many rules and obligations, and one of that is uh, non-discriminatory. So on the on the one hand, they ought to make their website or a digital uh, a service accessible, but in the real world, will it happen? I don't know because there's um, they're obviously uh, have limited means, and they would use a website a builder, which means that the accessibility initiative has now been moved up uh, to them. Where if you're having an an option for individuals you know, to make websites easy, then a business opportunity for them would be ensuring that any website made up is accessible. So it's uh, it's multiple layers where the uh, the business owner is at risk of legal action, however minor it is, and they might need to make uh, better uh, decisions regarding their a digital infrastructure. So rather than a building website with Wix, it may mean in the long term they need to a custom build. So it's very, very difficult. Um, you're saying um, business must have an accessible website as it doesn't really address the the real-world challenges, but um, it's, it, it's at least acknowledging that if you don't have a website, you may be in breach of uh, the uh, Disability uh, Discrimination Act. Uh, but ultimately, it, 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 it comes back uh, to good communication that um, if a business owner thinks it's a risk, then at least have a mechanism on their website saying if you are having difficulties reach out so it's it's having that mechanism there where if a user is having difficulties they can reach out and get get assistance one of the most uh famous articles of an inaccessible website though was with uh, the 
the supermarket chain uh, 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 Coles. Uh, several years back, a vision impaired woman um, was attempting to order uh, online, and and her uh, requests for assistance never really helped much with the overall experience. Reluctantly, it then escalated to the Human Rights Commission and then eventually uh, legal action began with Coles settling out of court and uh, fixing their websites. So from this very um, challenging uh, issue with accessibility earlier on, Coles are now one of the leaders of uh, having a website which has really, really good uh, digital accessibility. But all of that um, legal action, I guess, could have been avoided if you had an upfront message saying, whilst we recognise you know, there might be challenges, if you are having you know, difficulties, reach out. And so it's just having that that message that yes the website might be inaccessible but we want to make sure that you as a, a customer can use it so if you are having difficulties reach out or email us and that would uh, go a long way you know, to build um, consumer confidence that if I as a disabled user I can't use a website I at least have a mechanism there to a contact the business and say, "Hey, this is bad. I need help." And that 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 means a lot, I think. I think that's really, really interesting. I mean, it's given me a lot to think about. And I, was, I mean, I get a good question here would be: Is the onus, especially when we're talking about the kind of small businesses and like the family-owned businesses and stuff, is the onus on? Squarespace and Wix and WordPress to actually build the templates from beginning to be accessible, I wonder. Because, like, I mean, I have a Squarespace website and as much as the work I'm doing around making everything else accessible, I haven't even thought about the fact that my website might not be accessible to begin with because I'm trying to make everything else accessible. And that's such an interesting point. Um, and because the whole concept of that is just put your content on there and it's good to go. I, I mean, it. I feel like it's just not going to be such a big part of a thinking process of a checklist of things to make sure that's on there because the premise that they're putting ahead of you is it's good to go and you can get it on there in two minutes. So I want like, is the onus then falling back onto them to make sure their kind of foundation level is already accessible? I guess so, yes. Yeah, where, uh, where at the moment Wix and WordPress are, are factoring in accessibility and are doing well but it's um it's maybe not being applied a uh, matter of fact maybe it's an optional extra that a user has to ask ask for so maybe it uh, needs to be a, a baked in i guess that when any uh, any uh, templates used you're not using a template which is accessible. It's every a template is accessible. So it's a so matter of the fact that you just assume that I'm using Wix, 
Wix has a really good accessibility uh, policy. They've done a lot of research and knowing that I, as, uh, as a business owner, can use that and I've uh, reduced my legal legal risk. So at the moment, Wix and WordPress operate in the area of having accessibility policies, but it may be a tokenistic where, where they may have done the bare minimum, but they've not, not necessarily got accessibility experts looking over every a template saying this is wrong and this needs to be moved and this needs to be made a uh, heading. So whilst they've got accessibility uh, uh, policies and from what I understand are, are doing really well in making their uh, templates accessible, it it feels like it's um, it's adding on accessibility right at the end point as opposed to ensuring every single template has all those key accessibility attributes so not to be cynical they're doing well but is there an opportunity to do better of course but uh, equally they are factoring in accessibility and i guess it's recognizing that uh, Accessibility is a a journey as such, and not a fast run. So it it's to do more and add more you know, to make the experience better. Absolutely, I I like your your quote when it when you say that it's a journey, um, not the fast <laughs> fast run. <laughs> so yeah, and and we all can relate. Uh, with this conversation as well. And, and there are so many things in my mind and I'm sure in Akasha's as well, but we really need to close this. So it, I'll ask you the last question. And so what what do you think are, are the top top three ways or two ways or just top way to that AI can help uh, transform this, this, in, this accessibility part? Um, would they be, would it be a translation image recognition or, or any other way AI can help make all of these solutions better? I think uh, my number one would be image recognition. So already AI does a really good job of, um, of describing uh, simple images, but what's missing is, uh, is a context. So if you had an image of a boat on, on say, a Sydney Harbour, the AI may identify it's a boat on water, but it's missing that uh, that uh, context, that richer meaning which uh, uh, you get when you uh, look at an image visually. So it's missing. It's uh, it's a sunny day. It's missing that it's sailing under the bridge there are many other boats on the water all of that extra background imagery isn't necessarily conveyed so whilst a user who is visually impaired may have a description of boat on water 
life is quite miserable if all you're ever hearing are, are uh, literal you know, descriptions of images. So if you had AI look at, say, Mona Lisa, woman looking back with a with an indifferent face, it's not really a capturing what an image is is uh, conveying. And I think yeah, for AI, the next part is that a context with image of recognition, not just explaining what's in an image or what's in a photo, but explaining it in a way of this is relevant because of X, Y, and Z. There's this extra noise around, around an image. And I think that's the next major thing in AI. A contextual understanding, making uh, visual visual images and visual UI understood in a much more um, richer way. And I think, honestly, it's a, what a great way to wrap everything up today. Um, it just makes so much more sense. And I think we're really, and it kind of comes back to the whole: it's a it's a journey, not like a sprint. Like as it is, and we're building towards. And we okay, great, we've got these images that we can say what's happening. But like, let's put context around it. Let's make this better. Let's keep going. And I really enjoy that part. And I love kind of all accessibility kind of conversations like this in the first place because it feels like it makes me think about my life a little bit more. I'm like, wait, what can I do better? And I think I really appreciate that part. So hopefully, someone listening today, they can also have a little. Um, let's think back through their own life and see where they can make a little bit more of an accessibility part of change um, going forward. But thank you so much for your time, Ross. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you. It's been wonderful, folks. Loved it. I'm so glad. Right. We will be back again, um, I'm assuming in a month, but it is Christmas, so we'll see. But we're realistically, we'll be back. We're going to stick to our monthly update schedule and I hope everyone takes care of themselves. And hey, make one, at least one little accessibility change in your life. I'm sure you'll be thankful for it. <laughs>